oftentimes we feel like we have this ambition that is brewing, right? And it's just ready to burst out of this bottle that, that our boss or the company has put us in. But being an entrepreneur, you get to act on that intuition. You get to make decisions about the things that you want to do. Welcome to Manufacturing Happy Hour, the podcast where we get real about the latest trends and technologies impacting modern manufacturers. Each week, we interview industry experts that are at the top of their craft and give you the tools, tactics and strategies you need to take your career and your business to the next level. And now your host, Chris Lukey. Hey, what's up, folks? Welcome to episode 27. I'm going to kick things off here with a question today. Are you a manufacturing leader that's dreamed of taking the entrepreneurial leap? Well, that's exactly what our guest today, Kylie Summers, did. Kylie and I met years ago while we were both working in Houston, but since then, he's gone on to found Spendet, a financial services company that helps individuals reduce their debt through micropayments. We're going to talk more about that later, but first, what are the three things you can expect from today's episode? Well, first, we're going to talk about Kylie's background. We'll discuss what got him into entrepreneurship, what got him into engineering, and ultimately, what got him to start his own business. Second, and this is the big takeaway today, we're going to talk about how a career in manufacturing prepares you for entrepreneurship. We'll talk about being an intrapreneur at large companies, as well as the importance of accountability, and Kylie backs all of these up with some great stories. Finally, we're going to talk about spend debt, and then Kylie's going to wrap things up with some additional actionable career and life advice. And quite frankly, it's one of the more inspirational episodes we've done lately. So really excited for this one. I think you'll want to stick with this one from start to finish. As with all of our episodes, if you hear any resources or things you want to dive into more, you can find those over at the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com. For this episode, you can go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 27 to get taken directly to the show notes. Before we dive in, if you are enjoying the show, make sure to let us know over at Apple Podcasts by leaving a five-star rating and review. We've made it really easy for you to head over there. You just need to go to manufacturinghappyhour.com slash iTunes. It'll take you there on your smartphone or on your desktop where leaving that review is super simple. It doesn't even need to be much longer than a couple of sentences, and all of that feedback helps. Now, I told you this was a great episode, so let's not leave you hanging any longer. Let's get you introduced to my good friend, Kylie Summers. I think we're ready to go. Are you ready? Let's go. Let's rock it. All right, man. Our guest today is a manufacturing leader turned financial services entrepreneur. He is the founder of Spendit, a financial technology company that helps people pay off debt through micropayments in everyday transactions. But prior to that, he came up through the ranks in engineering, operations, and business unit leadership at PepsiCo. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Kylie Summers to the show. Kylie, good to have you on. Oh man, right on, Chris. I appreciate the invitation and glad to, uh, to connect once again. Absolutely. And, and, I, and I like that you said that because we should add some context for the folks that are listening. You and I um, were both from St. Louis, coincidentally. We just kind of learned that recently, but we actually <laughs> met in Houston, Texas when you were working at 
Frito-Lay, and, and I was serving that uh, that plant as your account manager from Rockwell. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> a very uh, contentious relationship as we were <laughs> trying to make sure that we kept our, you know, our ACPs up or our case packers up and Mm-hmm. Um, with the drives that were selling, we were just at uh, the mercy of technology, right? Uh, we were just trying to get it right. Um, I think we uh, internally figured out what it was. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's really how we crossed paths. I think he was a very good, significant help to us and really discovering what was wrong and really making sure that you pushed on your company to give us the resources that we needed uh, while I was at Frito. Um, but so, but thank you for, uh, for all your help there, man. You really, you really helped save our packaging department. Hey, it was it was a lot of fun, and I I think we'll talk about this more in a little bit. I mean, you never know what type of challenges you're going to get in a manufacturing plant, and for us to collaborate, work together to um, and I'll just give a little spoiler alert: like the fact that Cheeto dust, for lack of a better word, was causing some issues with some of the the electronics equipment in your panels. I mean, so you just can't prepare for some of these things. You got to have that problem solving mindset to address it. <laughs> indeed, indeed. And we were trying to drive costs down on what we were spending on those drives that was impacting the Tito's just impacting those uh, those drives. So, man, it, everybody won. And so uh, more than anything, Frito-Lay won. So thank you. No problem. Well, the way I always like to start these interviews is from like a, a a casual happy hour style fashion. So you and I were just chatting about the Breakfast Club in Houston, Texas. Uh, great, great restaurant there uh, south of the skyline in Houston. Um, and I always like to say, you know, let's say we're sitting there having coffee, having chicken and waffles, having a good breakfast. And and someone comes up to you and they're like, you know, Kylie, I, I, I've heard about spend debt. You know, I hear you're you're helping people drive down their debt through micropayments. But but what does that mean? How do you how do you describe that to someone if you're chatting with them over coffee? That's a that's a good question. And uh, what I like to you know have people think about is behavioral things, mm-hmm. right? You know, uh, it's hard to change habits, Chris. And be, behavioral economics is one way that you can help people. Uh, improve on, uh, in this case, their financial health. And so um, we like to say that we help people spend away their debt. So as we bought that favorite uh, wings and cakes plate or that, that chicken and waffle plate or that coffee, and we can add a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever it is that we define as our micropayments to that transaction, it goes towards our debt. So when we're, you know, we're spending just frivolously, right? Um, we can be paying off debt. And so we won't feel guilty about it, you know, at the end of the month or when that bill is due, because guess what? We apply a, a portion of our everyday transactions uh, to be targeted towards driving down that debt. And that mm-hmm. was the premise of, of how spend that was started. And so uh, I will be glad to take on anybody uh, to, to come and, and, and ask that question, man, because at the end of the day, we just want to help people. Our, our mission, Chris, is to help save one million people from financial fatalities every time they swipe their debit card or have a banking transaction. Yeah, yeah, and I love I, I, the one word that really jumps out there is habit. Like you're just trying to get people into you. you, you what it sounds like, and we're going to dive into spend debt a little later in the interview. It sounds like you've created a system where people, you know, they really don't have to think about paying off debt anymore. It just becomes ingrained into what they're doing. And um, I'm excited to chat about that. But but first, we've got a lot of manufacturing leaders that listen to this. And, and I think one of the reasons like you popped back on my radar was just seeing that, wow, you went from leading 
uh, multiple groups within a manufacturing facility to creating your own company. So I'd love to go kind of back in time with Kylie really quickly uh, back to St. Louis. You know, you've got an engineering degree from Missouri S&T. You know, you worked at Frito-Lay for a while before you uh, before you founded your company. But, you know, was there something early in your life that made you think that that you noticed that entrepreneurial itch from an early age? It's a great question. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, as a kid, right, you always want things. It's always, can I have this? Mom, dad, whoever, can you buy me this, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think early on, uh, I remember this like <laughs> vividly. When we were kids, um, 12, 12 or 13 years old, and we would go around uh, the complex in the summertime or trying to find that person or family to, to wash their car. Right, yeah. we were trying to get enough money to go hang out at the skate rink, uh, and in the winter time, well, you know, we we would go around and we would try to shovel the driveways. Um, th- these were some of the ways that you know early on we became entrepreneurs because it was we were trying to get we were trying to get a means to an end, right? Mm-hmm. And that's really what nine to five is, or any uh, job or you know, uh, you know career that you know, more, uh, more you know folks have is. It's a means to an end, Chris. And that's what we were trying to do as kids. We were trying to find a way to get to the skating rink or buy the next shiny toy or tool. Absolutely. And, you know, kind of the 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 other question of that is you you went the entrepreneurial route after going the engineering route. Was there also um, a sign that you were going to go after a technical degree, an engineering degree? How did that play in as well? You know what? Uh, when I was a senior in high school, I have to find this article. I'm a senior in high school. Um, they did a write-up on me, and in the article, I talked about that I wanted to own several businesses. Okay, right? like like I really spoke my uh, my future at that time at 18, 17, 18 years old. I really spoke into an existence now, uh, and so, but but to the point, I didn't really know that I wanted to be you know a founder or entrepreneur at that at that time, uh, especially after going through schools. Like, hey, go to school, get a good job. That's what we were taught, and. Um, uh, I really spent time, you know, uh, in in my senior year, um, messing with this electronics class. I took like two semesters of this electronics class, and that really kind of exposed me to problem solving electronics. I was like, you know what? I want to be an electrical engineer, hmm. and uh, uh, that, that that really got me on the engineering. I was always good in math and science, like most engineers, and you know, that's really how the the budding of the engineer became. Uh, I guess a staple in my life, uh, and I, and plus I like solving problems, you know, regardless if it's a, you know, a manufacturing issue or you know, equipment issue with the uh, ACPs or auto case backers for for those listening, or it's you know, in financial services or financial technology. Um, I just I just really want to help. Well, I I love that you bring up problem solving. I and and I've I've talked about this on this show before. I've heard it on other podcasts. I mean, when it comes to an engineering degree and it's just practicality to do anything it's because you have that problem solving methodology and you've seen it on the plant floor at pepsico you're seeing it now in your business at spend at like there's always a problem that needs to be solved but if you know if you're able to break it down it becomes that much easier 100 percent. i'm reading i'm reading a book called uh the innovation stack uh by jim mckelvey jim mckelvey is the Hmm. founder of square and uh and and cash out people on from from cash out but but anyway uh, he talked about the innovation stack being like it's a chain of you know problem solution problem solution 
and like it's an ever evolving thing. Um, yeah. And essentially that becomes the innovation stack, right? You have a problem, you solve it. And then obviously when you solve that problem, another problem comes up, right? And you solve it, right? That chain is, you know, essentially the innovation stack and the things that you learn uh, and the things that are applied uh, really, you know, develops you as a person, uh, as mm-hmm. an engineer, uh, and really builds good character because every problem is not going to be easy, right? You become right. frustrated, you become intimidated at times, or uh, you want to give up. Uh, but but ultimately, once you solve it, um, you know, it really develops you. And so um, it's a really good book. Uh, I'm, I'm, you know, probably a third of the way through it, and, and I look to get more nuggets and carrots from it. Well, I'm glad you brought it up. I, I, I know Jim McKelvey by, by name. I don't I haven't heard of the book, The Innovation Stack yet, but for, for anyone else that either knows of it or is hearing about it for the first time, I'll make sure to link that up in the show notes. Um, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit, Kylie, because the, the, the part of the story that I'm, I'm really interested to hear is, you know, you you had an illustrious career at Frito-Lay. I mean, you had no shortage of different roles there in engineering operations. You were leading business units, you know. As you were there, and you mentioned it, you had that ambition. You had this entrepreneurial, you know, background in a lot of ways, from shoveling snow to washing cars. Was there a moment that got you thinking that you needed to start your own company, that you needed to start spend debt, or was it kind of something that built up during your time while you were at Frito? I I, I would have never guessed it uh, that I would start my own business. I'll be honest with you, Chris. Um, you know. I had a very good career, as you mentioned. So thank you for those kind of words there. Um, I think the evolution of, of time and the evolution of, um, you know, experiences in the corporate world, I think it prepared me for, you know, mm-hmm. the leap that I took, right? Um, but, you know, it was really a personal thing that happened. You know, I lost my dad in 2014 to a massive stroke. And uh, when I lost my dad, I was just really at the brink, right? You know, I was doing well. I was on my second mid-level manager promotion. We had just came off this, you know, large automation startup, fourth in PepsiCo history. And I was, I was, I was burnt. I was really burnt out and uh, I was frustrated, you know? And so it was like, I got this, you know, immense family, uh, you know, catastrophe that just happened, right? Anytime you lose a parent, it's a big deal. Uh, and, and then I had this corporate just bug, right? I wasn't seeing my wife. I was working 12, 14 hours a day. You know, you know, working at one weekend out of every month, you know, all of that stuff, right? It was just, it was imploding on me. And so, um, you know, with the, you know, the brilliance and the the, the true uh, grit and uh, support my wife gave me, um, I, she was pregnant at the time. Oh, oh by the way, oh wow, uh, she was like, you know, babe, just just quit. You know, if, if that's what you want to do, and I and I was like, quit? I, I, really? Uh, it took me two. It took me two months to build up enough uh, courage to, to quit, but I finally quit. Um, and and, and I, I didn't originally quit to start the, the financial technology company and spend it. I actually quit to start an in-home healthcare business. That was my hmm. first launch into entrepreneurship. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I wanted to uh, really, you know, take care of families like I was taking care of. You know, during the time my dad suffered the massive stroke until he died. That was my first in, uh, initial goal. Um, and then along that path, Chris, um, my wife and I became debt free. And uh, um, I, I remember in August of that of, of 2015, I was taking the business class. And in the business class, we began to do like the first activity was like create a lean canvas, right? Where you develop your value proposition, problem solutions, customer segments, all this stuff, right? It's like the mini one page business plan. 
Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it for the home healthcare business, but I'm going to also do it for this other idea I had. I didn't know the name yeah. of it at the time, but I'm going to do it for this <laughs> other idea I had. So I finished the business class with the in-home healthcare business. And I, I, I you know, I, I was almost doing double duties. I did it for the financial technology company and spent that. Uh, and at the top of the year, we didn't, we had a baby in December. The, I said at the top of the, the following year, we had a baby. We had spent that, you know, brewing. And then we had an in-home healthcare business. My wife was like, okay, now. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Choose, you know, between one of those businesses. And, and with her, you know, uh, partnership and, and her support, you know, I was able to, to put the home health care on the shelf and really chase spend it. So that was the beginning of, of uh, entrepreneurship for, for me. Wow. That is a lot of powerful things in that story there, Kylie. Just taking your life experiences, things that were happening in your life, applying those to your businesses and that drive to help other people solve some of the problems that you'd encountered in your life. But, you know, I think another one of the big things that jumps out and, and I'll talk to the manufacturing leaders that are listening to this real quick, like you took a, a process of creating a business model and you just did, you did that twice. Like there is, it's not, it's not all throwing spaghetti at the wall. There are tools that exist to create a business and you, you, you basically replicated that twice for the home health care and then spend debt and said, you know what? This is the one we're going to go after right now. 100%. And I think for, for the folks that are listening, right, um, sometimes we have to start where we are. And what I mean by that is oftentimes we, we think about the next promotion or we think about, man, if I, if I quit and go work for this other company, you know, across the green grass, it's, it's going to be a lot better. Uh, but in reality, you're going you're gonna to run into the same problems. Every yeah. company has the same issues, right? Whether you're yeah. the, you know, the largest company in the world, or you're the smallest mom and pop store, we all have issues. But the differentiator in, in, those, in those situations is you. You are the X factor. Uh, so maximize where you are, gain the most skill sets, develop the networks. Um, and if it's something that you can do to help propel or push the company forward, do it. Don't wait. Right. Um, and it's a, it's a such thing. It's, 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 you know, there, there is entrepreneurship. Right. We know that. But there's another thing called intrapreneurship. Right. right. You can develop a business within a business. And mm -hmm. if you do enough homework, you do the problem solutions. Right. You can really get the company to fund what you're trying to do. They allocate resources all the time. Right. Build that business case. Really test if you want to become an entrepreneur, but you can't afford to, to take a leap. Do it where you are. Start yeah. where you are. If that's your desire um, to become a founder or become an entrepreneur, uh, an entrepreneur, do it where you are. And I promise you, you will gain enough confidence uh, to one day walk it on your own. Kylie, that's insanely good advice because we we do have a mix of people that are they let's say they either already have taken the entrepreneurial link leap they own their own systems integrator or there are a lot of people that are listening that work for large companies and are looking for ways to to make a difference within those organizations so that story about entrepreneurship is incredibly great advice if you want to get your feet wet test the waters for the first time and that kind of segues in, into probably the biggest question or the biggest topic i have for you in this interview um is that you know you since we do have a lot of manufacturing leaders listening to this i'm curious you know how do you feel your background in manufacturing prepared you for entrepreneurship is there a story that sticks out or a couple key things that you know that you reflect on that experience and say, gosh, this really set me up for, for the entrepreneurial space. 
Well, we don't have enough time to to, to hear <laughs> all my stories. Sure, sure. Uh, but but I quickly highlight some of the experiences, right? So uh, when we were going through uh, the fourth startup in PepsiCo's history at the Rosenberg plant right outside of Houston, mm-hmm. uh, Texas, um, essentially we created uh, uh, what we call the Amazon of the chip world. So mm-hmm. direct to store deliveries um, in, in you know automated warehouse. That's what you know what we we built. Uh, that experience alone, Chris, taught me so much about uh, yeah. business. It taught, it taught me so much about myself um, because it was times where we, you know we were working you know seventeen, eighteen hours a day, right? Mm-hmm. And we were just literally going home, get sleep, and coming right back. Uh, for those that you know have been through startups or may go through startups, uh, prepare yourself, right? Uh, you know. And not to say all startups would, would be like the one I had, but it was it was difficult. It was challenging. Um, but mm-hmm. but the one thing that I noted is that you're responsible for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Whether that's you know your your staff, you know you're hiring, you know firing folks. You're responsible mm-hmm. in this case. You know I was in maintenance and engineering, so we were responsible for parts developing. Mm-hmm. A, you know a, a parts a parts room. Uh, we were still responsible for the operations that were still happening. We were responsible for all the new equipment and, and getting that transformed mm-hmm. into the system. I mean, anything and everything about that building, we was responsible for. Yeah. And uh, just that accountability alone, Chris, that is mm-hmm. what it, it takes to to be your own boss or to be a founder or to run your own business. Um, you are responsible for everything. And right. Mm-hmm. And, and I think. Sometimes, you know, we, we sometimes people get it twisted, right? And what I mean by that is people don't want to accept accountability and responsibility for all those things. And in mm-hmm. actuality, it, 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 it is. It's ours. And so um, just as the good things are good, yeah. bad things are bad. Yeah. Uh, and so um, and the other thing I would say is just being in operations, you know, uh, being directly over, you know, the uh, we call it the corn, the yellow corn department. I was responsible for, you know, all of the production um, and operations, you know, whether whether we had mm-hmm. supply chain issues with, you know, whether it's the corn coming in or I was responsible for if the line goes down. I got to call Chris, a system maintenance yeah. department, right? Because at the end of the day, it's impacting my performance as a business unit leader, right? And I still have the mm-hmm. answer to the manufacturing director and the regional vice president, right? You have direct responsibility. So whether it's uh, your team or uh, your operation that is impacted, mm-hmm. you still have to go assist others to help you. You got to help people help you. And so, yeah. um, so just carry that, you know, for those listening that, you know, are uh, thinking about starting a business, accountability is all yours. Mm-hmm. Well, it's it's interesting because it all I mean, the way it sounds like it's you're basically running your own micro business within these things like you and, and there's there's a how it's made element to this show also. <laughs> and the fact that you the fact that you mentioned like this, the Amazon of the chip making world like it was I mean, we're talking like because I remember going down to that plant back in the day, it basically doubled in size, like in geographic size when you added that essentially chip logistics area for, for lack of a better word um yep. and and i'm i'm sure some people are also going to get a kick out of the fact that there's there's a, also a yellow corn department like you can only imagine like the different silos within uh, a chip making company like frito-lay we'll be right back right after a word from our sponsor
This episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the world's largest electronic library of audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. And because you listening to this amazing, amazing podcast, we're giving you one free audiobook when you sign up for your first trial of Audible. You can do that by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. Now, why would you want to do such a thing? Well, let's be honest. These podcasts only last about 30 minutes to an hour, but audiobooks give you much more listening pleasure beyond that. So when you wrap up your episode of Manufacturing Happy Hour, you can tune in to the audiobook of your choosing on Audible. You get a new credit every month, so that's a new book a month. And for me, that's where I get my leadership books. That's where I get my non-leadership books. That's where I get my rock and roll books. That's where I get my fiction Anything I want to read, typically, I'm going to Audible to get it. Again, you can claim your free audiobook by going to audibletrial.com slash happyhourpod. And now, let's get back to today's episode. Great stuff and great advice as well. And, and I want to, you know, pick on another another topic in there because you've you've mentioned... You mentioned this when we first had our conversation. It was a really powerful quote that you said, aside from getting married, becoming an entrepreneur is the the second best thing I've ever done. So I'm curious, you know, what are the one, two or three th- things that have made entrepreneurship such a good decision for you? Well, uh, so I'm going to go back to what I just said. The good is good yeah. and the bad is bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um, being able to do things on your terms, right? Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, we feel like we have this ambition that is brewing, right? And it's just ready to burst out of this bottle that that our boss or the company has put us in. Uh, but being an entrepreneur, you get to act on that intuition. You get to make decisions about the things that you want to do, right? So becoming an entrepreneur, it allowed me to have this exploration. It allowed me to, to do things on my terms, right? And it allowed me to take my past experiences uh, my past education, past fairs and successes, and put into a product, service, or, or in this case, uh, a solution to assist people, right, uh, and paying off the debt. And so, like, you don't have to wait. You don't have to get approval for anyone. You can just go do it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in Silicon Valley, they always talk about this thing called fail, fail fast, yeah. right? And so, being an entrepreneur, you can do that. Um and the, the the other thing is um, for those that may want to you know achieve some type of uh, leadership role, you get you get to become that right away, right? Mm-hmm. You become a leader over your company, over your own supply chain, whatever mm-hmm. it is that you're building, right? And your product, and, and now you're leading companies or customers or whoever you know you're responsible. You become the leader of that, right? And some yeah. people want that management experience, but you know, for whatever reason, their situation, their current situation, don't give them the opportunity because they're a self-starter or they're an individual mm-hmm. contributor, right? But mm-hmm. instantly, you get that experience uh, being on your own. Uh, and then uh, the last thing, maybe, um, you know, I, I think for me is, you know, you can control your financial. Um, uh, how would I put it? Your your financial reward. Right. Mm. In terms of like, can nobody, you know, put a, you know, in the, in the midst of a global pandemic or uh, when the economy is bad, I'm going to limit the merit increases. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, the you know, the company may be riding the wave of, 
inflation for whatever reason, right? Mm-hmm. Although they're still making, you know, doing very well, you know, year over year, but they're going to limit my merit increases, right? Uh, but you can control that in, in mm-hmm. entrepreneurship, right? And then, and that was another, you know, another factor uh, for, for me as well. So uh, I think those three things, uh, you know, are, are probably high on my list, Chris, on, yeah. you know, why I became an entrepreneur. And, and I, I would just, you know, ask the audience to think about what would their top three, two or three things be? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of, I mean, I think you summed it up really well with talking about living on your terms in a lot of ways. It gives you not only a chance to design your business, but a chance to design your life around it as well in ways that as much as running a business unit within PepsiCo is, you know, gives you that business experience. It doesn't quite give you that autonomy on your life that, yep. uh, that having a, um, your own startup, your own company does. I, 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 like, I like what you just said there because I, I didn't touch on it, but I, if I can, I will. The the time management piece is, is so mm. huge. You know, um, as I mentioned, I was working crazy hours, you know, at, at Frito-Lay. Um, but now, being, being an entrepreneur, working from home, um, I can design my schedule to be present, mm-hmm. to be a husband, to be a father. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which there's no value you can put on that, right? Yeah. And uh, I got the opportunity very early on uh, when we had our daughter. She went with me to every appointment I had with banks, right? Mm-hmm. I would never had that opportunity at a free oil PepsiCo, right? I can't take mm-hmm. the kid to work, but being my own boss allowed me to be a father first mm-hmm. and be an entrepreneur second, right? Um, all in the same mix, and I didn't have to separate the two. You know, and it it, it, is, it gives me the ability to do that. And even being a husband to my wife, right? In, in the midst of a global pandemic, she, my wife is working from home. She's in the other room, actually. Uh, she's yeah. working from home for, for a corporate in, uh, company. I'm working mm-hmm. and that, and our daughter's in the other room. She's doing her, her, her schoolwork. It gives yeah. us the ability to still spend time together and not have to mm-hmm. pick and choose which one we want to do. So that was an excellent uh, thought there, too. Well, a fantastic way to illustrate that with a story because you're right. It become you know, it you you no longer have to, you know, say make some of those life sacrifices that mm-hmm. uh, that working a typical nine to five would require. And I think you know a lot of us are getting lucky these days with it comes with its own set of challenges. But there is certainly more family time available now with the uh, with work from home, learn from home life. So which that, may not always be a good thing either. <laughs> right. I was, I was going to say that's probably a completely uh, a separate interview as well. But uh, we uh, we we shall digress. I uh, I have some I do want to ask you a little bit about spend debt as well, and and maybe a little more reflection on the the manufacturing experience. You know, we talked a little bit about spend debt at the start. You know, can you give us a little little more background on that, just how it works for, you know, because we, it, we're often talking about manufacturing technologies on here, but I mean, this is a financial services technology you've created that um, while it's not solving a manufacturing problem, it's certainly solving what is arguably a bigger problem for most people in their life, which is managing their debt. Like any other, any other highlights you want to add to that from what we talked about at the start? Yeah, I, I, I just, I'll take a step back approach and, and like really, you know, speak to the point of what SpinDat is. Well, we are a financial te- technology company uh, and it's designed to assist people to pay off debt, uh, leveraging micropayments through everyday transactions. Essentially, what, what that means is every time you swipe the debit card or have a, a banking transaction, you can pay off debt at that same time. And we have yeah. assisted people to do that. We paid off credit cards, mm-hmm. auto loans, student loan debt, you name it, we've paid it. So. 
Uh, how it works, Chris, is you you come to our platform, spendit.com, and you link the bank account that you want to pay from. So if I have mm -hmm. a Bank of America checkers account, I will link it. Then we mm -hmm. ask you to tell us the debt account you want to pay. So you can pay anything. You can pay the auto loan. You just bought a yeah. new car. You want to pay your, your Nissan uh, auto loan. You can you can input that. Then we mm -hmm. allow you to define what that micropayment is. So we don't use a roundup method. We use the add-on method, meaning you can set it anything greater than 50 cents. So let's call it a dollar for today's example. Okay. Sure. Um, yeah. and, and then we allow you to budget. So let's say I don't want to spend no more than a hundred bucks using this, this application. You can cap it at a hundred dollars. So I go mm. buy my favorite cup of coffee. It's $5 automatically. $1 is at it. $5 will go to Starbucks. Let's say $1 will go towards my auto loan in this, in, in this example. Wow. Over the course of a month, we aggregate those transactions and we send that one-time payment uh, to that, uh, to that company for you. This is, is automatic payments. It creates discipline. But the most important thing for us and why we create the company, it allows people to improve their financial health. And that's critically important, especially in this climate. Well, it's it's interesting because I, I, I when when you were mentioning that where you add it up and you pay it each month, like it just it reminds me of a 401k in a lot of ways. It's like you start saving for it and you don't even think about it, it just starts going to that that way. And like you said, I mean, great tool where you say, hey, I want to pay off a, a buck with every transaction. But, you know, once I get to hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, whatever that is, you can cap it. Did, did I hear that right? That's correct. You can cap it whatever, whatever you want to cap it. It could be a dollar. It could be excuse me. It could be a hundred dollars. It could be. 25, it can be $1,000, whatever your cap is, whatever fits into your budget, we allow you to do that using our platform and product. And wow. automatically we send the payments for you. So you really have a set it and forget it platform with us. Um, and we are really helping people. We've, we've helped this girl pay off her, her auto loan. Uh, mm -hmm. She's now working on a credit card. We helped this, uh, this one gentleman, he paid off two of his, you know, his student loans. He's now working on a credit card. And we have assisted folks in it, it really is a mindless way. And, and the most important thing, right, it gives you the ability to have on-time payments every month. So you don't have to forget about, you know, oh, I think about, you know, paying the bill. It'll do it for you. Just sign up yeah. that bill with us and we'll help you assist you along in that process. Awesome. Well, for those listening, I will have a link to spend at in the show notes at manufacturinghappyhour.com. You can also just go there by, it's S-P-E-N-D-E-B-T, correct? Eight letters? That's correct. All right spendet.com for anyone looking to, to dive in on that more well kylie i've got two questions left one is looking for advice one is looking for a story so we'll start with the story we uh we just started talking about spendet we've talked a ton about manufacturing was there a challenge you encountered during your time running spendet where you were able to look back on your manufacturing career and say oh wait i've seen a problem like this before i know how to solve it Woo, Chris, you're trying to make me dig in the bag <laughs> a, a bit. Um, I think so. Um, I, I think so I'll go back to the beginning of Spend It, right? When we first got started, Chris, um, yeah. we, were look, we were looking for vendors, right? We were looking mm -hmm. for a, a, a payment processor, right? And uh, mm -hmm. typically, when, whenever you do a project in the manufacturing world, right, you got to find a vendor, you got to, you know, get these different bids. And, Got to get the right this and the right that, right? And and really everything revolves around cost for the most part, uh, depending on where you are, you know, geographically. But uh, in the beginning, uh, I tell you, we had a tough time uh, locating a a, uh, a processing company to help move the money for us on the backside. And we pitched uh, a ton of banks, a ton of mm -hmm. uh, uh, financial processing companies uh, before we landed with Capital One, right? And so we went in and we pitched Capital One. Uh, it, we spent some time going through what they call AML, anti-money laundering, 
Um, mm-hmm. We went through that whole process. It came back clean. And it was like, hey, you know what? We'll suspend it. And so that that experience made me think about, you know, some of the times where we had a problem and didn't know where to start and we had to call the vendor. Mm-hmm. Do you guys do this? Uh, or do you guys do that? You know, um, it, it really brought back a lot of a lot of memories. Yeah. Well, it's 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 funny. And I don't think I did a good enough job highlighting one of the best nuggets you shared, not only today, but when we were first catching up about a month ago was you talk about maximizing the opportunity, like, Mm. you know, being present where you are at that time. And, you know, you're doing something different than you were 10 years ago, but you're able to look back on those experiences across that whole time frame because you were in those moments, because you were learning and focusing on the challenges and the opportunities at those times. You're able to look back and take those into the incredible things you're doing now leading Spend Debt. So I I truly appreciate that, Chris. I truly appreciate it. Um, and for those out there, I mean, I think we all have greatness in us, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, quickly, um, no different from the person who is, is trying to achieve a better body, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, man, I, I want some abs. I got to go do a million crunches yeah. tonight. I want to see my abs. But the reality is your abs are already there. Your abs yeah. are already there. You just have to get on the show, right? And, and so, uh, and that's no different from the, the success. Uh, the company you have in you, the book you're trying to write, it's all inside of you. You just have to let others see it. You have to you gotta be diligent about it. You have to you know, open up a little bit uh, and dedicate some, some time to it. And I promise you, those apps will show. People will buy yeah. the book, right? It's there. Maximize, you know, to your point, Chris, maximize where you are, maximize the moment, and I promise you the world would embrace it. Man, you have provided fire advice and inspiration across this interview today. I uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to do it. You know, my last question is always one, uh, it's a pick of your own adventure. Is there anything you wish I would have asked or any final parting words of advice or resources you want to leave with the audience? Uh, that's a good question. Oh, I, I, that's a that's a good question, Chris. I don't I don't know if I have an answer to that. Um, that's okay. That's okay. But I, I, I will say this, right? Uh, I'm I'm a very you know spiritual guy, uh, mm-hmm. and you know uh, I would tell everybody this: if you don't walk into your purpose mm-hmm. of why you are here, you can essentially make a whole generation miss their blessing. Mm. Incredible. Like, I, I live by that creed, right? If, yeah. I, if I don't do the right thing as a husband, as a father, as a as a human being, right? And having the integrity, I may make my daughter and my nephews and that whole generation miss that blessing if I don't do what I'm yeah. supposed to do, right? If, yeah. if you, you've been getting that nudge, right? So no, if a lot of people listening, it's gotten that nudge to, to start that business or to write that book or to start a podcast, right? Whatever it is that you've been getting nudged to do, if you don't do that, you can make your kids, you can make your nephews and nieces, mm-hmm. or you can make, you know, uh, people connected to you miss where they are supposed to go because you miss your opportunity. Wow, gonna, you know I'm gonna, you know I'm gonna quote you on that. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that. <laughs> that's an, an incredible advice. I love how every time I asked a tough question today, you're like, "That's a hard question. I don't know if I have an answer." And then you just like nail it every time. <laughs> this has been, this has been a lot of fun, Kylie. I'm glad we got a chance to catch up. Right on. <laughs> so cool. Well, 
uh, for everyone listening, you can learn more about Kylie and spend at, at the show notes. I'll have links to every resource, everything we mentioned in the meantime, Kylie, I just wanted to say thank you so much for jumping on today's show is uh, honestly a great time getting to reconnect after all these years. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure. And uh, thank you, Chris. And I, and I wish the best for you and the audience listening. And uh, I just encourage people to uh, just do it. Uh, as Nike mm. slogan, just do it. Don't wait. As a manufacturing uh, maintenance guy told me, he said, Kylie, don't wait. Do it now. And so I encourage all of you to do it now. Now is the perfect time to do it. The great tips keep on coming. Kylie, thanks again. And for all of you listening, stay innovative, stay thirsty. Catch you again next time. That is a wrap. Thank you so much for listening today. And thank you, Kylie, for jumping on this show. You know, if Kylie, if you're listening, I know you've left the manufacturing industry, but the next time I make it to Houston, you and I really need to grab some food over at the Breakfast Club. Dead serious about that. You know, I was thinking about this as I was uh, doing the intro and outro, and I don't know if you guys always get to see some of the behind the scenes in the show, but since we were raving about The Breakfast Club, I'm going to jump out of the outro here for just a second and uh, play you some audio so you can learn a bit more about that restaurant, because this is something that always happens at the start of every interview. There's a little chit chat, there's a little catching up, but I think you need to hear about some of the amazing food at The Breakfast Club real quick. We'll be right back. So uh, this is this is kind of a fun question I have for you before we dive in. Is there a favorite local cafe or watering hole in Houston that you frequent? And you'll find out why I'm asking this in just a second. Oh man, it's uh, it's a lot of great uh, places in Houston, man. It's, oh no uh, doubt, there's <laughs> <laughs> so many to choose from. But uh, I'm a breakfast food type of a guy. Yeah. And I like to support Black-owned businesses. And uh, my favorite place to to, uh, to have a sit-down uh, meal is at the Breakfast Club. Uh, the yeah. Breakfast Club with a, club with a K. Uh, Marcus Davies and, and his whole staff and team are phenomenal. And the food is amazing. Oh, I love man. Pan- I love pancakes and wings, or they call it the wings and cakes. Yeah, uh, That's my go-to dish. Yep. Uh, so, Kylie, I went to that spot when I lived in Houston because it's Breakfast Club with like a K, right? Am I making yeah, that up? Right. Yeah. That's and right. they, that's uh, right. Amazing chicken and waffles, man. So that is, uh, <laughs> that is a good spot. That is a great yeah, absolutely. spot. All right. Hope you enjoyed that little segment. Hope you're not feeling too hungry right now, depending on when you're listening to this. But uh, in the future, I'll make sure to include those little tidbits at the start of every episode because I have been getting some feedback that you guys like knowing where to go, where to drink, where to eat. And that is just one of the many resources we try to provide for you here at Manufacturing Happy Hour. As mentioned, if you want to learn more about Spendet or the innovation stack that Kylie was talking about or just get linked up to the Breakfast Club, you can do that at our show notes page at manufacturinghappyhour.com slash 27. Before we wrap up, one more thank you to our sponsor today, Audible. Audible is the world's largest library for audiobooks and spoken word entertainment. It's where I get all of my audiobooks, business books, fiction, whatever I'm listening to. And because you're listening to this show, you can get a free audiobook when you start your trial subscription. Just type in audibletrial.com slash happy hour pod and you will be good to go. And with that, that's it for this week. Thanks again for sticking with us. More great interviews are on the horizon, and we will see you back here real soon. Catch you later. Thanks 
for listening to Manufacturing Happy Hour. Powered by the Industrial Network.